0: All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are here yet again for another episode, and I'm here with Vanessa. I kind of feel like I can call you a, a longtime friend. I feel like I've known you for a while, but Vanessa Hicks is here with us today. Thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast.
1: Not, uh, you absolutely can call me a friend, Nathan, because you are my friend. Um, hi, guys! I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yeah, and you're, and I have to say, you saying here, but please tell us where here is because oh. I'm a little jealous. <laughs>
1: I am in Hawaii right now. Beautiful 82 degree day with sunshiny skies. Um, So yes, I am here in Hawaii right now. And yeah, so a little FOMO, I completely understand. What what island? I am here in Oahu. So that's where Honolulu is. Waikiki is uh, the, the quote unquote main island.
0: Okay. Yeah. I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to take my kids and it's definitely one of my favorite vacations with them to date uh, for multiple reasons for
1: so many oh yeah exactly so beautiful if you've never come here i mean save up come i grew up here so it's nice to be back um we're here for about two more years before we move and i know i will kick and scream and cry when it's time to leave
0: well and you're moving around because your husband is in the military is that correct
1: Correct. So he in January will make 19 years in the military wow. that he has served. Wow. And uh, we have orders to San Diego in 2020. Okay. So I have up and move my business quite often.
0: Well, fortunately, you're only what, like a five hour flight from San Diego. So you can always jump back over to Hawaii when you need that time.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's the plan. It's, you know, five and a half hours, depending on the wind, you know, so okay. just through the Pacific Ocean and right back home.
0: All right, so I, we normally start off the podcast episode with a question about your so-called technique for time, how you create free time for yourself cuz I mean, let's all be real and for those who actually who are have not had the opportunity to visit Hawaii, you need to if you need if you if you don't know where to start, go ahead and head over to Oahu. Uh, do Waikiki Beach, of course, visit Pearl Harbor, go snorkeling. I mean, these are the things that I had the opportunity to do with my kids. And by the way, if you like Japanese culture, it felt like like half of the people there were Japanese, which made me feel in my element because I grew up in Japan. So I'm getting to use oh, wow. my Japanese. And, and um, I, it was like best of all worlds, beautiful location of Hawaii. I'm still in the US, but I'm also hanging out with what feels like family, the Japanese culture, Japanese people. And uh, it was awesome. But Um, All that to say, you've got kind of a a wonderful selection of things to do there in Hawaii. How do you, first of all, create free time for yourself as as a very busy business owner? And then what do you like to do with that free time?
1: You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, right now we're coming off a busy season. I think most photographers are. And I have, you know, I've been in business almost five years and there's still times and still seasons that I kind of struggle with that. Work life balance and making sure that I'm finding free time. I realize, and I think all the people who are dealing with snow right now is going to hate me. I realized um, a week or so ago, I had to sit and think when the last time I went to the beach to just sit and chill. Now I'm at the beach all the time yeah. because I'm photographing couples and weddings and all that. Um, but I, it, and when I say that it's been almost two months since I relaxed at the beach, Yes. And it's five minutes away from me. So I am actually- Oh, man. Yes, I know. I know. How dare
0: you? (laughs) Please do not send
1: any hate mail. I know. Um, I'm going to the beach this weekend. But in order for me to make sure that I find that time, um, I am a notebook, paper, calendar person. And so I literally will look at my calendar throughout the month and I I will write in pen. If anything's in pen in my calendar, it cannot be undone. That's just my OCD with that. I love that. But- I will write down days off um, because if I don't, I am a kind of workhorse and I get a lot of tunnel vision. And then I'll realize that I haven't taken a day off and had any free time for myself in weeks. Hmm. Um, so I make sure that I write it in pen on my calendar on these days off. And I also just found time management skills. Um, if any of your listeners have not read the book, 168 hours yeah. gone on to Amazon and pick it up. Um, it's all about time blocking and that we do have more hours than we think if we schedule it correctly. So that was kind of a really good book that helped me find free time. Cause it's there. You just have to make it happen.
0: And I love how you summed that up. But what's interesting is it's not just, and you so beautifully exemplify this, it's not just about finding it, but then it's about committing to it. And the fact that you write it down in your calendar and once you do it's law, it is going to happen. That level of commitment is something we haven't talked about this for a little bit on the podcast. It's, it's something that seems to be kind of going away from at least the photo industry. Anyway, it seems Mm -hmm. that, that even something as simple as, Hey, let's show up for coffee one day somehow becomes complicated. People aren't willing to make a simple commitment to set aside an hour to get together with people And I'm confused by that, but I think at at the very root level, at least be willing to, whether you're writing it in a calendar or typing it into a calendar, put it in the calendar, commit to it, schedule it. It'll happen if you want it to happen. At the end of the day, we, we make happen what we want to happen. And uh, I love that you're showing that, that commitment. And it really, it's a simple principle, but it's an extremely powerful principle. So this is good. I'll make sure to link to the, the book in the show notes uh, as well. Actually, I, I should say Haley is going to link to the show notes. By the way, major props to Haley, who continues to do a wonderful job of putting the show notes together. If you guys go to, if you, those of you listening in, com. Make sure you check out the show notes, a really rich resource of information associated with these podcast episodes. And I also have to bring up Haley, Vanessa, because I noticed on your Instagram account um, that you are a Harry Potter fan. And Haley is going to be editing this episode and um, she's listening in and she's probably smiling at this point because she is a massive Harry Potter fan. In fact, her wedding was Harry Potter themed. So shout out to Harry Potter people.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yes, Haley, I love you so much. We are Team Gryffindor here. The new Fantastic Beast movie was awesome. So yes, I I love all my Harry Potter fans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's that's so great. Well, um again, thanks to Haley for the show notes. And uh, for those of you listening in, if you want to check out that book, 168 hours, make sure you go check the show notes out. com. We'll link to that book. And actually, um, speaking of impactful books, um, that's certainly one. Is there another that comes to mind that you've read lately, or maybe in the past that was extremely impactful to your life or to your business?
1: This year, I actually read. It was called Girl Code, okay. and I spent, you know, a couple years just kind of really diving into community over competition and um, empowering women. And this book. Um, from Kara, and you spell her last name, L-E-Y-B-A. Okay, And she's the author of Girl Code. And she is all about empowering women and making sure that you're surrounding yourself with the correct tribe of people. I think anybody, if we're a small business owner or just a human being, we may have found ourselves in positions that we have surrounded ourselves with maybe opportunists or takers in our lives. And this book talked about how to find the correct people, and how to also make sure that you're protecting yourself, your brand, your heart, and allowing the correct people to come into your space. And when you do that, you allow yourself to be more successful. And as I really worked on that in 2018, the book, it it changed so much for me. And it's no, I don't find it to be uh, coincidental that 2018 was w- one of my most successful years when I was able to kind of trim the fat with people who I allowed in my space. Yes. So that book, so Girl Code by Kara. And again, I'm sorry, I, I want to say her name wrong, Leyva, but it's L-E-Y-B-A. Pick that up. I mean, I know it's mostly for women, obviously Girl Code, but any ladies out there who may be struggling with this topic, I'm telling you, that book will change your life.
0: Well, the significance of community is something that we've emphasized on the podcast uh, before. It's something that is going to be an important element of our conversation later on in the podcast today, as well, when we're talking about maintaining a healthy mental state and dealing with anxiety. Community is an important element of that. But this is, it really can't be overstated. We have to be proactive in an effort to not only develop healthy community around us, whether that's a you know smaller group of three or four or five people, or maybe you have a little bit bigger network of close friends, but people that are there, as you were saying, Vanessa, not simply those who are going to kind of take from you, that happens enough, but those uh-huh. who are there that can help and support you with your overarching goals for life. And I think that's really, really important. Of course, the wonderful thing is that that then also gives us the opportunity to pour into those same people it's a win-win situation, but we'll make sure to link to that book in the show notes as well. Girl code. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And then do tell us, uh, this is kind of a, a, a normal question uh, or a regular question, I should say on the podcast, something that is totally random about you that maybe most people wouldn't know from just going over to your website or seeing you on social media.
1: Oh, something random that they wouldn't know about me. I well, no, they would know that I grew up in Hawaii. I did grow up here, but I was actually born in Anchorage, Alaska. I don't wow. really have any memory of it. Um, when I was a year old, my parents moved from Anchorage, Alaska to here in Hawaii. Um, and I lived here till I was 13 years old. So um, between that and the fact that I am a Navy veteran, I served Four years uh, in the Navy on board the USS Enterprise. My job was to navigate and drive the ship. And so if wow. you've ever seen an aircraft, yeah. So if you've ever seen an aircraft carrier, and the Enterprise is now decommissioned. Yes. But there's 5,000 people on it. We have a floating, essentially a floating airport and beneath us was like a floating bomb. Um, but I drove that ship, you know, through some, you know, dangerous waters and, and I've been all over. So I spent four years. Um, I joined when I was 17 and I always am grateful to the military because it is what helped me grow as a woman and, and teach me a lot of basic things that I did not necessarily have growing up. Um, And I, I believe that my attention to detail and just my work ethic comes from the fact that I served our country. So,
0: wow. Well, first of all, thank you. And thank your husband as well for both your service in the military the enterprise actually just aircraft carriers in general are fascinating to me where is is the enterprise where is that based now you said it's decommissioned um,
1: right? yeah she's yeah so it's decommissioned now it decommissioned a few years ago okay. that ship was very very old it it really needed it um so i hope that uh, like a random fact, the in, the Navy, the U S Navy has never had a fleet without an enterprise. Hmm. So hopefully they'll build another, you know, USS enterprise. Um, so it's, it was an honor to have served on one of the oldest aircraft carriers, um, in the Navy. Wow. So, but they, they are fascinating because you have, um, again, planes take off of it below it. You have nuclear reactors, there's 5,000 people on it. Um, It's a, it's a, it's a different life. I can say that for sure. For
0: sure. Well, it's a floating city too. And the sheer scale, I mean, for those of you listening in, if you've never had the opportunity to, to visit an aircraft carrier to actually stand on the deck or go down below and, and actually see what one looks like, it will blow your mind, the sheer scale of this ship. And then it's so fascinating to think about you, Vanessa, actually piloting that ship too. That's so incredible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A little nerve wracking, you know, because you have, I mean, obviously they would never let something disastrous happen, but, you know, actually in in the past year or so, if you've paid attention to the news, there's been some accidents as I guess that's the right word um, out to sea with, you know, ships and stuff. And, you know, you've got, when you're on that helm, you have 5,000 people's life in your hands, you know, and a lot of times we're just kind of floating in the middle of the ocean. So it's not quote unquote dangerous, sure, but you understand that level of responsibility. And that's not something to take lightly. Now, it didn't really benefit me when I got out of the military. (laughs) I wanted to drive ships. Um, But it was a very interesting um, and incredible job that I had the honor to do.
0: Well, let's talk about that transition then in your career, because it is a vastly different career for sure, driving an aircraft carrier or piloting an aircraft carrier. Um, And being a photographer, a wedding photographer, how long have you been in business as a photographer and how did you get started?
1: So I have been in business now. uh, 2019 will make my fifth year full-time. Wonderful. And I... I've always loved photography. I know that's kind of like a cliche thing. Um, The reason why I always state that I've always loved photography is because I understand the importance of capturing the right now, Um, a little background, small background about me. Um, You know, I I came from a very rough childhood in terms of poverty and, and, and uh, my parents were involved with their addictions and we didn't, there was nothing, I guess, maybe to take pictures of, and when I was nineteen, when I was out to sea, I got a Red Cross message that my dad was in the hospital. And by the time I came home, um, he was already, you know, on life support. Wow. And there was five pictures I could we could find five pictures of him, you know, and to put on a um, an obituary and, and such like that. And it was at that time that. I remember feeling how unfair it was, you know, even though I was an adult at this time, but it was unfair because I was someone's child and and I deserved those memories Hmm. and I didn't have them, you know, and and no matter what, I didn't have videos, he's been passed away for like 15 years and it's very hard to remember what his voice sounded like. And I've got five pictures. That is it. They, they travel in my carry on with me. Every military move we do, I've got them scanned and uploaded, but that's all I have to yeah. remember that he existed. Mm. And so when I became a mother, you know, I remember getting my first camera cause I didn't, I was not going to have that for them. And then I kind of expanded out and taking pictures of my friends and all that because I always stand for documenting the right now, documenting your legacy. And so all that to say is I, instead I was working a corporate job and just kind of doing photography on the side. And one day I walked in to my corporate job a week before my husband was scheduled to deploy for a year and they eliminated my department due to budget cuts. And, you know, so I came home and I cried and had a breakdown and, because when my, not only was my husband deploying for a year, when he got back, we were moving to California. So we were moving across country. Wow. So it was kind of hard to figure out, well, what am I going to do now? Because if I get another job, I'm moving in less than a year. And so my husband asked me one question that changed my life. And I always say, and I'm always thankful for him because I believe he's the reason. He asked me, he said, you know, money's not an issue. And it is, you know, he was like, if you could do something else, what would it be? Hmm. And I just kind of blurted out. I would be a photographer. I love this. You know, and I expected him to tell me, okay, Vanessa, get a quote unquote real job. You got student loans and stuff to pay. Right. But he did. He said, I've seen your work. He said, why don't you try? He said, you've got a year, you know, and if, if it doesn't work, then when we move, you can go back into the workforce, but try it out. And I did. And I, it hasn't stopped. Wow. And it makes me so incredibly happy, all because he asked me that one question on, you know, what if, and if you could, what would you do? And I I always, you know, I always suggest to people who maybe are out there not living their whole dream, if they ask themselves that question, what if, and what would you do if you could? And, and whatever that answer is, like dive deep, as deep as possible and go out and do it because when you do do it you're like i am so happy with what i'm doing and and like i said in this past 5 years and i've ever been in my entire life so that's oh. my little speech for that yeah, and <laughs> and
0: it's a beautiful to... yeah it's a beautiful speech <laughs> at that and and major props to your husband too for the way that he encouraged you and you know th- of course the reality is that not everyone is going to be in a position where maybe based on where they are with income, they have the flexibility to spend a whole year trying trying something out new. Fortunately, yes. you were in that position and that's really, really incredible. Um, but for those of you who maybe don't have that kind of cushion, but are still itching to get out and do the thing it is that you are I hate to use the word because it's a little bit cliche now, but passionate about that you that that truly makes you happy and feels and and feel fulfilled that gives you an opportunity to serve other people, whether that's photography or otherwise, go for it and just figure out a way to make it happen. And and we're fortunate enough, and well, at least in first world culture, and, and more specifically in the U.S., to be in a place where we have very easy access to the tools that really, frankly, cost little to nothing these days in order to get a business started?
1: Just jump at, just, you know, just try. You take that leap, no matter what your situation looks like, small baby steps. Um, But I've never met somebody who regretted taking a leap. Now, you know, there's there's all the, you know, and it's a whole nother topic, you know, there's going to be obstacles and failures and all of that. But anybody who has taken the leap that I've met for something that they truly want to do, they've never regretted it.
0: Hmm. I love it. I love it. And I appreciate that encouragement, Um, both for me, actually, as well, of course, as for for our listeners. I think that's really wonderful. You are a wedding photographer, uh, but talk to us a little bit. In fact, you and I had a conversation about this idea of a brand brand position before we started recording, but talk to us a little bit about where you're at with this idea of a brand position for your business.
1: So I'm going to be all the way honest with you guys. When I got this question from Nathan, I was a little... I didn't know exactly what that meant. Now, mind you, I have a master's degree. I've got, you know, um, in marketing. So I hadn't really heard of like a brand position for my business. Now, if you guys are out there and I'm not, I believe that we all, I've heard of like, you know, what are your three words or what describes you? But in terms of like a brand position, I was kind of, I don't want to say confused. I didn't know how to really articulate what that meant instead of saying that kind of that identity that, Oh, I'm a wedding photographer who believes in documenting people's legacy. But you know, Nathan wanted, he he advised me to take it a little bit deeper with that and, and what would make me stand out. And so I felt like I was letting him down that I didn't <laughs> know what he wanted me to say. Not that. at
0: all. Yeah. yeah. But, but you know, you made an interesting distinction just now, which I think is, is great for all of us. And that is a brand position isn't, who we are a brand position on a very simple level is what unique service it is that we offer. So, and you gave an interesting example there, Vanessa, the idea that um, somebody might want to, you know, their, their passion, their interest as a photographer is to capture legacy. That's a beautiful thing. And, and in fact, it's an admirable thing. And, and I think that uh, for photographers who are focusing on that, they're in a great, great space, but The key word there is photographers, plural. There are many photographers who are doing and probably saying that very thing, maybe even those exact words. And mm-hmm. the, the value of a brand position, and uh, what we'll do is we'll, I'll make sure to have Haley link in the show notes to at least a brief description of brand position. We actually have done a couple of episodes, two or three episodes at this point, at least with photographers or marketers, designers who have talked about this idea of a brand position in more depth and more detail. We'll link to those for sure in the show notes. Um, but the, the big value of a brand position is that it creates a distinction in the mind of your client or your potential client between you and another photographer. And I've told the story before in the podcast, but I think it's worth repeating. I used to go to, as a wedding photographer, I shot for about a decade. I used to go to these wedding vendor networking meetings, and it was a great opportunity to be able to connect with other vendors in the local Chattanooga market and um, get to meet people and hopefully develop relationships and maybe get some business from it. But what would happen is we'd have, you might have four or five photographers show up and you'd have a photographer stand up and say, uh, it, it, of course, everybody's going around introducing themselves, and they would stand up and say, I'm so and so, I'm a wedding photographer, and I specialize in. And then they'd list, you know, five things. And we all know that when you're doing five different things, you're not truly specializing. Um, so that just confused it all, it confused the situation altogether, or even more, because now. The vendors in the room, the potential business partners, if you will, they're looking at this photographer as just a kind of generic photographer. And then unfortunately, the next photographer would get up and say something relatively similar uh, uh-huh. or at least less impressive or not as impressive as it could have been. A very clear, a very distinct brand position, something diff- truly different that set them apart. And this this process would repeat over and over and over again. So what these wedding vendors, wedding coordinators, florists, bakers, or otherwise are left with is just a bunch of generic photographers. They're just, this is just another wedding photographer and there's nothing that's actually helping set them apart in their mind. Now, something we also talk a lot about here on the podcast is relationships. And yes, there is an opportunity then for any one of those photographers or for photographers listening in to then go meet that wedding vendor, to develop a relationship with them. And over time, maybe you develop enough of a relationship that just because of that friendship, that relationship, you stand out in the mind of that wedding coordinator. And so they naturally invite you to come shoot a wedding. But in order to take a very quick leap with your brand, if you want to market quickly and effectively, you need to be able to very quickly and effectively communicate what differentiates you from the other photographers in the, the either literal or figurative room. And so when, instead of getting up and saying, Hey, I'm a wedding photographer, I might get up and say, Hey, I'm a film wedding photographer who only shoots black and white. And I focus on skateboarders. Now, there is something that is certainly going to be unique, and it's going to automatically distinguish me from the other wedding photographers in the room. The other cool thing is I now know my very, very specific target market. So not only do I have a very clear, concise message that enables me to go effectively market, but now I also have a very, very focused target market to go after, and it's going to make the effort at building my business, getting new clients much, much easier. So That is the still the kind of the simple version, but the simple version of a brand position, the significance of it. And for those of you listening in, if you've not taken time to refine that brand position, what I said to Vanessa before we started was it's not that a business can't function without a brand position. It just makes it all the more easy to market the business when you have a clear and distinct brand position. Make sure you're not just borrowing a, a set of, a, a Vanessa, you alluded to the three words trend earlier. That is something that happens a lot, but those three words tend to kind of describe what a photographer, maybe how a photographer feels about themselves or how they want their photography to look. A potential client's not going to walk away remembering those words. You need to come up with a really clear and concise uh, position in that you are offering a service that is truly distinct from the other photographers in your market. That is a brand position. And I encourage all of our listeners, again, go to the show notes. Haley will link to some of the other episodes where we've talked about this in more depth. But if you've not established a brand position, make sure you take the time to do that.
1: And I will. And I'm going to come back on here with that because I've been writing notes as you've been saying this. So, <laughs> and like you said, I mean, I've been in business almost five years and I've never had anybody ask me the question like that. Kind of direct. It's been more on what do we do and things of that nature. So if anybody else out there doesn't have one, I don't either, but I'm coming back and I will have one.
0: <laughs> That's perfect. Well, I love that, that we're already planning an episode two and I would love to have you back, Vanessa. Let's keep moving though, because we have a lot to cover yeah. today and we're going di- to yes. dive into a really big topic here in just a little bit. But I'm curious to get your take on what the toughest lesson has been thus far as a business owner and really the main reason I want to ask this question and and continue to ask this question to the various guests that we have on Boca is because if we have a newer photographer who's trying to build their business, if you're able to share as a photographer who's been in business for five years now to a photographer who's only been in business, maybe six months or a year, something that you've learned kind of the hard way, maybe they can Mm -hmm. avoid that same mistake and, and kind of fast forward the building of their business. So what comes to mind when you hear that question?
1: The first thing that came to mind, and it's not even business related, is making sure that the foundation of your home is sturdy Mm. before you take on this journey of being um, a self-business or, you know, an entrepreneur. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, being military, we're constantly moving. I started my business, as I mentioned, when my husband then deployed for a year. So I did it all by myself. He wasn't around for a year. You know, and then came home, we moved to California and then he was in school. Like there was a lot of moving pieces and those first couple of years on the outside, business was great. Bank account was good. I had two viral photos. I'd moved my business successfully. But on the inside, behind closed doors, my foundation of my home was there was cracks mm. and I'm saying very big cracks mm. Because my husband didn't understand and didn't see the hustle that I was doing. I wasn't respecting my time with him. And I also remember in the midst of busy season, my youngest daughter coming up to me. And ooh, it'll make me cry thinking about it because it was such a defining moment mm. in, my, in my business. She came up to me and she said, Mom, you only attended one soccer game this season. Wow. Wow. Now, mind you, again as a business owner, remember our dreams is so we can, you know, live this life and make our own hours and do all of this other stuff. But in those first couple of years, you're just in the grind, you're in the hustle. You know, you just want to get your name out there and take everything that you can. But my personal life was failing, hmm. and in turn, my business was not succeeding. I truly believe that your personal and your business life have they both have to work. And so if anybody is new out there and you're in the in, in that grind, um, the toughest lesson that I learned was to make sure that my foundation in my home, because I, at the end of the day, that's what truly matters, was secure, was steady. Because the minute that I got my work-life balance, things that we talked about, the free time and all that together, and my foundation was good. And again, I think of it as building a home. Once that foundation was straight and, and secured, I was able to build up. And then to build my home. And now I'm traveling and um, expanding my brand and doing all of these things because that foundation is set in stone, in concrete, and there's no cracks. Mm. And so that was probably the biggest lesson that I learned was to make sure that that is set in stone and try to do that. Because if you're building your business on a rocky foundation, it will eventually crash.
0: And that that Rocky Foundation, I love that you point out the significance of the, the personal health. And this, of course, personal health, we could be talking literally about physical, personal health, but also family life, relationships, and mental health, as we're going to be discussing a little bit later. I mean, there are multiple elements that encompass this idea of being healthy as an individual. But, I mean, I've personally seen this, actually, even just in the last, well, I'll say, six months or so. Uh, the transition that I've been able to make on a personal level with some of the things that I've been dealing with has translated drastically and beautifully to what I'm able to do in business. And yeah. when I hadn't addressed those issues, it, it did affect the way that the confidence and, um, and even my work ethic as a business owner it, it's really, really important that we are healthy personally. And, and again, this is beautiful segue into our eventual discussion here today about mental health and dealing with anxiety. But I, I love that, that you focus on the importance of this, Vanessa, that you've made it a priority and I, it could probably be a, like a three or four part podcast, really talking about what you've <laughs> done in order to address those things. I won't go there today just for the sake of time, but I really appreciate you being open and vulnerable and sharing Uh, what you've been through. And for those of you listening in, definitely address the personal life because it will drastically affect what you're able to do as a business owner. And if you need help, see a therapist or at least go to a close friend and and begin to communicate to open up and share what you're struggling with and and work at finding solutions to that because it will make all the difference in the world as a business owner. Um, I, I hate to move away from such a serious topic. You could go to something a little bit more lighthearted, but I am curious, this is something that we ask a lot on the podcast, what is in your gear bag? And more specifically, what's a favorite item in your gear bag these days?
1: Oh, yay. So I am a Canon girl through and through. Um, I have a, I just purchased my Canon Mark IV, and then I also have my Mark threes as a backup, but I'm also a Sigma girl. So I use all Sigma lenses uh, with the exception of a few. Really? Okay. Yes, I am. I know. Um, Except like my 7200 is Canon. But I have my 35, my 85, my 50. But my workhorse, the lens right now for the past couple years that has been my favorite is my Sigma 35 art lens. And the reason why is because again, I live here in Hawaii. Um, I believe that people book me, obviously for all the other things that we've talked about, but because they can envision themselves In my pictures. So I take a lot of wide shots, a lot of wave crashing shots. Why? Because I want to show off Hawaii. And my 35 does that beautifully. And then I can run up to them and take close up shots. So I don't use my Zoom lenses and such as much because I'm trying to create this story and really I want to create FOMO. I want people to look at these images like, (laughs) gosh, I wish. I was there in Hawaii. And then when they do come here, they they know the location that they want to shoot at because they saw it in my images and they saw these couples or this family there. And that's what they like. I've literally had people say I've dreamed of coming here and shooting here. And if I shot with anything tighter, they wouldn't be able to see that. Yeah. So my 35 is my uh, my favorite accessory uh, in my bag right now,
0: but you know I have to give you major props too because I'm I'm actually on your Instagram account right now, and for those of you listening in, of course we'll link to this in the show notes as we normally do. But if you go to Instagram, Vanessa V A N E S S A Hicks H I C K S Photography, Vanessa Hicks Photography, I'm I'm scrolling through your feed and I I, I love the variety in your feed. You know, there's it, the fact that you love the 35 so much isn't obvious in the sense that you're not shooting the exact same type of photo every single frame. I love uh-huh. the variety there. I love the variety in the color and composition. And you mentioned the wave crash, crashing shots, which it, it, it kind of be naturally indicative of a place like Hawaii, but you're, you're not just posting those pictures either. I love the variety that you're, that you're putting into your Instagram feed. So major props to you and, and just, I mean, beautiful work too.
1: Oh, You're the best, Nathan. Thank you. And yes, I I do want to show that variety as well, you know, and uh, I I want people to, when they see my feed, you know, I love curated feeds. They're, they're beautiful, but I want to make sure that the everyday person can see, you know, I I don't even know if that's the right word, but you know, just everyone can see themselves in my images. Um, And, and really, I really try to just, there's a lot of laughter and happiness um, in my feed And that's what I want to create. I really want that sense of aloha in my
0: photos. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the reality is most clients or potential clients aren't booking us because we have the perfect Instagram feed, right? That is, (laughs) that is certainly an element. I mean, I I know in fact, local photographers that uh, I've been chatting with are doing significant business through Instagram. And in fact, I think in one or two cases, almost exclusively, if not exclusively through Instagram, they're getting their new clients. So I I don't mean to minimize the significance of Instagram. But more specifically, that this notion of how an Instagram feed should look, I think, is more important in some cases, if not many cases, to photographers than it is to the client. And the fact that you're showcasing a wide variety of work versus the same exact same finish and composition um, with the majority of her work, I think is really, really nice. And it's frankly, it's refreshing to see too. It's uh, that, that kind of variety. So props to you for those of you listening in again, make sure go to Vanessa Hicks photography. I'm stumbling over my words here on Instagram. You can check out Vanessa's work and I'll go ahead and mention too, since we're talking about places to see you online, um, go to Vanessa Hicks photography, just like uh, I spelled out a second ago.com and you can see Vanessa's website and her work there as well. Let's go ahead and transition, though, to what is really a loaded topic today, and I'll go ahead and and give the caveat here that neither Vanessa uh, nor I are are doctors. We're going to be talking about mental health and how to maintain a healthy mental state. Uh, We're speaking from personal experience and what we've learned over the years, so I'll I'll add that caveat, but Vanessa, you were very gracious and, and willing to dive into a huge topic here and be willing to share what you've learned over the years. I mean, this is, it's a loaded topic. It's an extremely sensitive topic. It's a personal topic. I'm just curious if we can maybe start with what your personal experience has been in this realm, and and more specifically, how it relates to running a photography business.
1: Ooh, yes, you guys, it is a, you know, it's a sensitive topic. And I wanted to come on and share this because I feel that in terms of mental health or anything, you know, in photography or just out in the world, you know, it's there's a, a lot of stigma that is surrounded by it because it's a it's a condition that you can't physically see. You know, I am the greatest person at being able to smile and not have anybody know that I may be suffering on the inside. And I feel like in our community, we we're always striving for something better. You know, we all want to be successful. We all want to outsource and and make you know, six figures and, and travel and do all of these things. And for some of us, we feel that if we do that, then it'll make us feel better on the inside. And I stood on stage a few weeks ago over at our uh, Show at United conference in front of 400 people and told them that, you know, I'm the person who lives in Hawaii. I, you know, have kids. I have, was voted number one wedding photographer, all this other stuff. And I struggle with anxiety and depression because I wanted to be the face for that if if I if there needed to be a face for someone who is quote unquote successful and has issues with mental illness, that there is someone out there. I wanted to give other people permission to let them know that they're not alone at all out there, but it is very important as we've kind of really talked about so far about being healthy and by being healthy will translate into your business and making sure that you have a successful business. And so For me, my personal experience with this, you know, being a small business owner is not the reason why I have uh, anxiety and depression. You know, that's from years and issues that, you know, from a long time ago. But as I became a business owner, I found that my anxiety was at like an all time high. Right. And I know that may sound like simple. Yeah, you're running a business. But. It, it, it was different than the anxiety that I have experienced before. And, you know, through therapy and through research, especially on the World Health Organization, I found that one in three, you guys, one in three entrepreneurs suffer from he- mental health challenges, while as Americans, we're one in five, which means that as small business owners, we are more vulnerable to these challenges than the average American. And I wanted to figure out why so I could work on those triggers um, to make sure that I could continue to be a successful owner. I didn't want to live my dream. I didn't want the fact that I was living my dream to be detrimental to my mental health, you know, because that, that wouldn't work in the long run. And so by obviously going to therapy, but then really doing my research and why and talking with other small business owners, there was many of us, again, one in three, that were suffering on the inside and they couldn't figure out why either. And so I wanted to really work on making sure that mental health and us as entrepreneurs talking about mental health and knowing that we are not alone in this journey. I wanted to be that face for that. And I wanted to be that sounding board and give people permission to know that they're not alone in
0: this. You mentioned going to to therapy. I'm curious what the turning point was for you to say, okay, you know, I'm I'm dealing with anxiety, as you said earlier, to a level which I'm not familiar with. Um, I've dealt with this before, but now it's it's way more intense, and it seems to be a result of of the the various things that I'm dealing with in business uh-huh. as an entrepreneur. What was the what did the the um, I'm trying to think of the best phrase here? But what was that turning point? What was the what was where did you get maxed out where you're like, you know what, enough is enough. I need to actually go see someone to talk about this, to deal with this. What did that, that instance look like?
1: It was not a pretty instance. Um, I kept finding myself. And again, please know that I am not like, like we mentioned, you know, this is not a medical diagnosis by any stretch of the imagination, but in the long run, I found out that my body is actually allergic, almost like allergic to anxiety. And I'm going to explain why in a second. I kept finding myself having these very random allergic reactions. And when I say allergic reactions, we're talking about angioedema, which is severe swelling of a potential of a body part. Like if you got stung by a bee and you're severely allergic, you'd need an EpiPen because they'll swell and you could obviously uh, die from that. So I was finding myself having these random bouts of swelling that were in my face that were leading me to the hospital. And my worst instance was I was in the ICU for four days wow. in the hospital for eight days. And we're talking because it was a, an allergic reaction type of um, response yeah. that, you know, I've done every allergy testing. My case was sent to university of Virginia and it came back that I was allergic to a sycamore tree every instance of these flare ups was getting worse. And like I said, this, this particular time, I was in a hospital for eight days. And this is also in the beginning of me running my business. So I'll never forget a a doctor after you're in a hospital for eight days, you know, your doctors and the rounds and all of that. And I had a random person come in and he sat down and, you know, he asked me just some simple questions like, are you happy? Are you feeling? And I knew at that moment, what and who he was and I wasn't ready for that. Like I'm I'm not crazy, you know, you, you think of all these things like I there's something wrong with me and it's not on the inside or anything like that. Right. So I kind of sent him out of my room. But when I got home and I really placed those pieces together, I realized that this was my anxiety flaring up. Like to the fact where I would break out in the hives and and things like that. And and then when you combine that with running a business and the stresses and these triggers that we're going to talk about it, they all equaled up. And it was at that point where it was like, again, I want to do this for a living. I want to live. This is my dream. I'm so happy, but it's also affecting my health literally. Yeah. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to die from this. I want to find out what's wrong so I can, you know, fix it. If with all to, to fix it. So I'm not in this position anymore. So once I started therapy and, you know, I'm mean, at to dig in. It wasn't again, I want to stress. It wasn't just running my business. There was multiple things I had to pull back Pandora's box. You know, when you go to therapy, you're, you're opening it up and you're kind of diving deep in. But then as we, after we went through that, and then I found out these triggers that we're going to talk about as to why it was making my anxiety come at an all-time high by being an entrepreneur. You know, knock on wood, it's been almost five years. I've never had an incident that has brought me back to the hospital. I understand. I can feel and sense when my triggers are coming, and I'm able to manage it and, in turn, be a successful business owner as well.
0: Well, physical symptoms are a very real, uh, very much a reality. I should say, when it comes to stress, I know I've personally experienced this. So while I'm not altogether surprised that you've experienced that you experienced this, Vanessa, that is that is an extreme response by your body. It was obviously crying for change, and I love uh-huh. that instead of just kind of staying in that place, you said, you know what, I need to do something about it, and you went, and you got help. You mentioned seeing a therapist, which is a great place to start. You also mentioned the World Health Organization. And I know from our conversation earlier that this is largely where you learned about these triggers that you've been referencing. So I'd, I'd love to kind of dig into those, those triggers, if you don't mind, um, so that our audience can kind of get a better feel for what it is that you're referring to.
1: Absolutely. So there's six reasons for my research Um, Why entrepreneurs are more vulnerable to mental health challenges than your average American. Now, your average American is obviously going to suffer through or or might have these as triggers as well. But in terms of being a photographer, being a small business owner, these were the six reasons. One of them was stress and that lack of self-care to manage said stress. Again, we're coming out of busy season. We were all stressed out probably right now within these last couple months. But if somebody that is dealing with anxiety or depression or any of the other mental health challenges, stress is a very detrimental thing to your mental health. So, stress was a big one. The uncertainty, you know, we are living a, a career, our dreams may, may not be a guaranteed paycheck every week that we're used to. And Mm. it's not a completely nine to five job. We don't exactly know when we're getting our next paycheck or, you know, Things of that nature, that uncertainty of, you know, am I going to make enough this month? Am I, my business going to succeed this year? Am I going to make it past that statistics of how many, the percentage of small business owners that fail in three to five years, like that's out there, that's real. So that uncertainty can lead, you know, can really mess with your mental psyche. The third trigger is social isolation. Now, right now I'm sitting here, you know, with Nathan, I'm in Hawaii, but I'm in my office by myself, you know, with the exception of of photographing weddings or engagements, you know, that's just an hour, a few hours of my day, but then we're back into this bubble, it doesn't matter how big your office is, how small it is, whatever. We very much deal with social isolation, especially from if you were working a nine to five job out there in the workforce. And that can really get to somebody, feeling that that, that's that part of feeling alone. The fourth thing was barriers to mental health resources. And this one was very interesting because everybody's situation as a small business owner is very different in terms of things like insurance. Um, and things of that nature, where you know somebody out there may be like, well, I don't even have insurance to go see a therapist right now. You know, again, they're living their dream, but they they might be missing some of these aspects. But you know, there are you know, it, with a simple Google search, there's a lot of resources out there to make sure that you can get the help that you need. But people find that there's a barrier, and a lot of it really focuses around the health insurance part of it. Um, the fifth thing was that we have our identity and our self-worth attached to our business. Mm. You know, when anybody was working at a, a nor- quote unquote, a normal job, you know, it wasn't Vanessa Hicks photography. It wasn't, you know, Nathan Holt's photography or anything like that. It was, you know, Apple, Google, whatever it is. So when someone tells us no, we take it personal because they're saying no, we, in our minds, we're saying no to Vanessa Hicks you know, and to, it's very hard for us sometimes to differentiate between Vanessa Hicks as a person and Vanessa Hicks photography as a business. We kind of, there's, there's, we mesh those lines together. And so when we have our identity and our self-worth attached to our business and not be able to shut one off, you know, I used to get on my husband a lot because if he had a bad day at work, I would always tell him when you step in the door, you're, you're Josh, your dad, your husband, You're not work, Josh, anymore. You know, you have to kind of differentiate those. But again, when we work for ourselves from home with social isolation and uncertainty, it's hard to break those barriers on where one ends and one begins. So that was a really big one. And then the final one that we've kind of already talked about, but I think is the very biggest one that keeps people is the shame of it and feeling alone. There's a lot of shame. And it's just because of the the way that the world is right now of feeling shameful to sit here and admit and say, I have anxiety. I don't feel good on the inside and I'm not really sure why, you know, and then it's shame slash feeling alone because then again, they're like, well, I must be the only one that feels this or nobody's talking about it. So I feel alone and that shame and alone out of all of the six triggers is the most detrimental one because we will just push it down and keep it inside and really struggle alone, which can be very detrimental to our health. And those were the six. And once you understood what those six triggers were now, okay, well, what can I do to help these triggers? For example, with social isolation, there's times where again, my office, these four walls would just start to cave in and it it, is such a big difference. When I pick my laptop up, I take my external drive and I'll go to Starbucks and do some work. Just being outside of my normal helps on the inside. You know, it helps me things like that. So kind of finding those triggers and what are tips and tricks to, you know, overcome them.
0: Yeah. Which is a really a great segue at this point. Cause let's let, we should just dive into those solutions. Cause I know that understanding that these were triggers for anxiety for yourself, led you then to to the ability to address the root causes of that anxiety what were the solutions and and you began to talk about how to deal with or address social social isolation but what were the other solutions that you found for these various triggers that were causing the anxiety for you
1: um really, you know, and I, I also want to stress because my husband was sitting here next to me, there's times where I have to be reminded of these things too. You know, it is not a eat one, some game. You know, I am not perfect at finding, um, uh, or having the solutions at all times, you know, so I want to make sure anybody that's listening out there, I don't have it all together at all a hundred percent either. So just putting that out there. So in terms of that stress and self-care, um, I always tell, you know, anybody who is going through that, you know, again, we talked about this in the beginning, finding free time. We have to under, we have to have that break between our business and ourselves. You know, I, for so long and really, really stopped this year, I really felt that if I took time off, if I went for an hour at the gym or went running or just went to go lay at the beach, that my business would fail. Now, when I say that out loud, I know how dumb that sounds, but there's are so many of us that actually do think that we do believe that if we don't answer that email right away because someone said that, you know, we need to answer it within an hour or whatever, that we're going to fail, you know. And then that leads to that uncertainty, um, really having plans and goals, understand that uncertainty, there's no real tip for that because it, it is part of the game. It is part of being an entrepreneur, but I believe what helped with me in that uncertainty was having very specific goals. What are my goals and what do I want to achieve and really focusing on that and setting realistic goals because that uncertainty comes, I believe, with unrealistic expectations. I am not going to make a million dollars in one year being an entrepreneur. I'm not going to make six figures in one year in my very first year being an entrepreneur. I mean, I hope that happens for you guys. I I bow down to you if it does. <laughs> but I believe that setting realistic expectations helps with uncertainty.
0: And you know, the other thing that that it does too, I think is and this is really applicable across the board when it comes to anxiety. Anxiety so much of the time has to do with an inward focus. And Mm -hmm. having goals gives you something on the outside to focus on rather than focusing on how you feel inside the uncertainty, which the reality is that, you know, thinking about how uncertain you are, unsure you are, unstable you may feel in the moment as a new business owner doesn't actually help anything. So instead of focusing on that and just feeling anxious about it, focusing on and actually establishing a set of goals that you can then foc- not only focus on mentally but then actually go do something about it's going to help address a significant amount of anxiety. So I love that you bring that up.
1: Absolutely. I, that, I think that is so true. I, I always say that I've built a successful business by trying to not feel that, if that makes sense, because I, the minute that I kind of stops at times, then I'm thinking on the inside of what I'm not doing right. Or then, then it, it, it's just like a spiral downhill. I'll go to, Oh, this person didn't book me. And it'll spiral all the way down to, I'm a horrible person. You know, <laughs> like, if I let it, but in order to avoid that uncertainty and that feeling of kind of, like you said, like focusing on how you're feeling on the inside, has helped me build a very successful business <laughs> because I'm like, I will do everything possible to not feel this way, you know? And it, it's kind of helped with my hustle game, I always like to say, yeah. because I didn't want to feel that way.
0: Well, self awareness is important. And I certainly don't mean to minimize the significance of self awareness, but the difference between somebody who is going to get stuck and someone who is going to be able to still move forward and build a successful business is that they develop a certain level of self-awareness about who they are and then what it is that they want out of this business. And then they go do something about it, right? Somebody who is focused inward and stays there and then talks about how terrible everything is, it's no wonder that everything seems so terrible because the it, as you said Vanessa they they get stuck in the cycle the cycle of inward focus and it's only going to snowball from there. So exactly. again having something tangible on the outside to focus on in this case goals enables you to step beyond that anxiety that temporary I'm going to suggest anxiety and move forward with your business and begin to make those steps forward that are then going to be encouraging, right? You're going to feel good when you accomplish and ideally set small goals or we've talked about task and project management in the past here on the podcast, but it's comparable to that in that maybe a big goal is like a project and the tasks Underneath that, that, that uh, are required to accomplish that particular project the individual tasks are the small goals. So set small goals for yourself, attainable goals, maybe that you can accomplish in a week or two weeks or maybe a month. And then let those smaller goals lead to the accomplishment of a bigger goal, and you'll be well on your way to establishing a business that works. But that outward focus, again, is so, so important. I'm so glad that you highlight that. Then you talked about social isolation. You began to address kind of how to to deal with that, very simply just getting out and about getting out and around other people. I mean, I'll do this at times, uh, just going to a coffee shop is it it can be encouraging. It's funny how just being in the presence of people um, can be encouraging and helpful in this regard. But have you found other kind of tips and tricks with regards to how to deal with that social isolation?
1: Also the, the very big one for me is that I'm lucky to be, you know, one of the leaders here of the rising tide society. Yeah. Um, uh, there's, you know, 600 chapters worldwide, um, uh, you know, being around other creative entrepreneurs, you know, obviously helps with that as well. So, you know, find your local uh, Tuesdays together. And if you guys are online and they've had at a- I hope that it's okay to talk about it sure. um, together also has a, it's, a, I don't want to say a chapter, but they have a Facebook group that is for the creative and chronically ill. And it, I don't let that chronically ill kind of get to you, but it, it was a group that was meant for our community to be a part of, and I'm just a part of it, but you know, th- for anybody that is there, that is, that has any sort of quote unquote, uh, mental issues or physical issues or anything that is maybe somebody that might be suffering. And it's such a group that is there and it's a safe place. So maybe you don't have a Tuesdays Together around you, or maybe you haven't found your tribe yet, but the Rising Tide created this Facebook group where it's a safe place for someone who may be suffering on the inside or on the outside, anything. Um, there's, I remember somebody in there that was going through cancer, and you know, I'm in there all the time talking about mental health, and so are hundreds of other people. So, you know, maybe your group isn't you know, physically around you, but even sometimes being in a safe space online helps as well. So if you guys do look that group up um, again, it's the Tuesdays together and then it's dash creative and chronically ill. It's meant for members of the rising tide society to be able to be a part of and have a space, a safe space for them to be a part of. And then, you know, in terms of having your identity and self-worth part of your business, some tips for that was understanding that I am not a business owner, 24. I mean, I am a business owner 24 seven, but being able to differentiate that. And as I had mentioned, you know, telling my husband that when he walks through the door, he's not, you know, Lieutenant Hicks, he is dad, husband, I really had to focus on creating, um, Certain things that I am not Vanessa Hicks photography, I'm mom and wife, Um, setting hours for my business, making sure that I eat with my family. I don't take any sessions on Saturday mornings because that's when my daughter's soccer and tennis games are. Um, You know, like I said, in the beginning of the show, when my daughter came up to me and let me know that I missed, I didn't attend, I only attended one of her soccer games one year. That was, I will never let that happen again. Um, so I'm able to really differentiate between the two. so I, because I know that my self-worth is not in my business. My self-worth and my identity is my family and and myself um, and my friends. My business is just a part of it. Then, for the shame and feeling alone, I felt like that's that's what I'm hoping that I, am here for. And the biggest thing that the listeners will take away that I'm here on a podcast with Nathan talking to you guys to let you know that you're not alone. I'm here. I'm available. Find me on Instagram, Facebook, not for likes, but if you ever just need somebody to say thank you or thank you to let me know that I'm not by myself, that there's somebody else that's out there that is going through this, I'm here. And you guys, we're we're never alone in any of this not at all. We have a wonderful photography community. And I know that anytime that anybody's ever had something going on, you know, we wrap our hands around and our arms around people to make sure that they are okay. And I would love to help be a part of that, to just let one person out there know that they're not alone in this journey, that they can be successful, and that a diagnosis of a mental health challenge is just a part of you. It is not who you are, and it doesn't define you.
0: Well, that's really gracious of you, Vanessa. And I, I really appreciate the way that you've made yourself or you're making yourself available even now, certainly to share today on the podcast, but then also just to those listening in that, hey, if you need to reach out, you can, I'm here. And you know this speaks to the significance of community. It's interesting when we're looking at potential solutions to these triggers that you talked about, whether it's Social, isol- or social isolation, um, even the barriers to mental health resources, if you don't have the, the financial wherewithal to, to go see a therapist, for example. It's amazing how when you look at the relationship between an individual and their therapist, so much of that relationship is just simply based around basic conversation. Somebody feels like they can go freely open up to someone else And that in and of itself is therapeutic. And so again, the significance of community, finding whether it's one person or two people or three people or five or 10 people, or if if you're a little bit apprehensive, connecting in person with somebody, especially over a topic like this, going to a Facebook group where you feel like you can open up a little bit more, but community, investing your time and finding community. It's so, so important. You do have to, to take the step, maybe take what feels like a risk, but investing in community is going to make a big difference when it comes to that feeling of isolation. Um, even the potential barrier to resources, the the idea of feeling shameful and alone, again, that could help be minimized by getting involved in community. I think the, the significance of community cannot be minimized, particularly in a conversation about anxiety. And, and I love that that's been highlighted here today. One other thing I want to mention too uh, you mentioned identity or identity being attached to a to business. And I think a lot of this comes from, uh, or at least can be addressed by taking a step back from your business and looking at your personal life. We've talked about the significance of values here in the podcast before, and I'll make sure to to have Haley link again in the show notes to Tony Robbins uh, ebook. Actually, it's about a hundred pages long an easy, easy read and and likely one of the most impactful books that you'll at least read this year, if not ever. Um, he talks about some really powerful psychological principles there. But one of the things that he addresses is the significance of values, establishing personal values and understanding what those mean for yourself. And and the cool thing about values, if you're actually establishing and clarifying what your deep-seated values are, is then you'll then understand that the rest of your life is essentially an outpouring from those values. And that can be on a personal level and a business level. If you understand what's most important to you internally and personally, then your business is just a a means to an end, and that end is living out that value system. And now, when you've made that separation, you're able to to clearly distinguish between your identity as an individual as a human being and your business which is just an outpouring of who you are and and I think making that distinction is going to be really really helpful when it comes to creating that that distinction between your identity as an individual and, and what your business actually is. And so I, again, I cannot recommend that particular ebook enough. Uh, the original book I think was like six or 700 pages, maybe more than that. Um, he distilled it down into this, this ebook. It's really powerful. It's free. We'll make sure to link to it in the show notes for those of you that are curious. It is seriously one of the most impactful books that you'll read this year. Uh, Vanessa, this has been really good, and it's been—I know it's such a loaded topic—and we just kind of barely scratched the surface. But I, I have to say again, thank you for being willing to open up about it, to, to share with those listening in, to make yourself available for potential continued conversations, um, online or offline.
1: Absolutely. I mean, thank you, Nathan. I think it to take a moment to thank you for allowing a topic like this to be talked about on your podcast i think that says so much about you and what the podcast stands for because i believe that this is such a big part in being a successful business owner but i understand that it's a tough topic to talk about so i think you know the the round of applause goes to you for allowing this topic to be shared with your listeners. Um, I really and truly appreciate
0: it. Well, that's very generous of you. I'm, I'm just glad that we can, we can have conversation um, and hopefully for the sake of our industry. I mean, that, that's really the biggest goal for the Boca podcast is to hopefully in some way, some form, add value to our industry, help our industry. And I, I think this is a really, a really wonderful conversation that we've had here today. And, and, and I can't thank you enough for your transparency. Will you, Will you share with our listeners one more time where they can find you online, social media, and your website as well? And of course, we'll also link to this in the show notes.
1: Pretty easy. If you look on Facebook, it's Vanessa Hicks Photography. Uh, Instagram as well, Vanessa Hicks Photography. And then my website is www.vanessahicksphotography.com. If you're ever in Hawaii, you know, hit me up. Just if you want to sit at the beach with an umbrella drink and watch the waves, I'm down for that too. Or talk about Harry Potter. Haley, who
0: wants
1: to talk about <laughs> Harry Potter? Uh, come to Hawaii. We can do that as well.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much, Vanessa, for making time for the book of podcast today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the book of podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit dot com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. dot com.